the Old Testament reading for the third Sunday of Advent is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to all who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up from the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offsprings shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from 1 Thessalonians, starting with chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, 
I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. John the Baptist is now about uh, 30, 31 years old, something like that. He's stirring the people up. He's out there in the wilderness, out at the river, maybe 25 miles from Jerusalem. And he's preaching that the kingdom of God is coming. That the preparation, in preparation for the coming of this Messiah, the people need to repent of their sins. And those who accept his message are confessing their sins there, and they're being baptized by John, kind of a ritual cleansing uh, to wash away the sins, uh, making way for the coming of the Christ, the Messiah. And as John goes on with this preaching out there, he's kind of a character and he's stirring a lot of people up. Uh, people in Jerusalem are hearing about it and all the crowds are coming out to see this crazy guy out there in the desert uh, dressed in the latest camel's hair fashion, uh, eating off the land which really meant locust, fricassee, and whatever honey he could find. And the leadership in Jerusalem is getting a little bit concerned. And so they send out an official delegation to interview John. Now it's possible that they knew who John was. Uh, you remember his father, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they couldn't have children. And then uh, Zechariah was the uh, high priest, and he was back there in the Holy of Holies, and he met the angel and came out and he couldn't speak. You remember all that was happening. So it wasn't like this just happened off in the corner somewhere. They may know who 
John is, that he is Zechariah's son. But they go out there anyway with a, an official delegation. Who does this guy think he is? What's he doing out there? He might be some kind of a threat because the people are all going out to him. And it wouldn't be the first time that someone was a threat, that someone even um, styled themselves or claimed to be the Messiah. So they had to check John out. And we hear about a couple of these other instances when we read the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, we read this. Uh, Gamaliel, who was a very prominent uh, Pharisee, says to the Sanhedrin, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So then Gamaliel goes on, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So here's Gamaliel talking about others who have risen up and gained a following and how they came to nothing. He says they were killed. doesn't say how they were killed or who killed them. But they were killed and it all came to nothing. Now the second one, Judas the Galilean, um, during the days of the census, and we know that there was a census around 6 AD. So that's about when that other uprising was. So this is a good 25 years later, something like that. But it's their duty, they feel, I think, to check this man out. After all, he could be the Christ. He could be the promised one. So they send a delegation out to the river, and John says, I am not the Christ. So they ask him then, well, are you Elijah? And that's a good, biblically-based question for them, because in the prophet Malachi, 400 years earlier, God had said, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of Yahweh. And you remember the prophet Elijah, all that happened in his life, Mount Carmel being the most famous, but also his uh, being taken up into heaven in the whirlwind, the chariots of fire, um, and so the Jews have been waiting for Elijah, waiting for him to come back, to signal that the Messiah is coming. Are you Elijah? I am not, John says. Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, tells Zechariah when uh, John is conceived in Elizabeth's womb, Gabriel tells Zechariah that the baby that God is giving him will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And then you'll remember too that Jesus later on says to his disciples, yes, Elijah must come, and if you will believe it, he did come. It is John the Baptist. Well, if you're not Elijah, are you the prophet? They ask. The prophet, the prophet, not a prophet, right? Because uh, if you remember, uh, the prophecy that Moses gave them in Deuteronomy in his farewell address said, 
Moses said, that God will raise up another prophet like me. Listen to him. So this is the Messiah. The prophet is the Messiah. The delegation is asking, are you the Christ? When they ask this question, and he says no. And they say, well, then who are you? We've got to have an answer to go back, uh, to take back with us. And he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of Yahweh, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John quotes Isaiah there to them because John fulfills that prophecy. He is the voice out there in the wilderness crying out, make straight the way, prepare the way for the Lord. This is his authority. So they're questioning his authority to do these things, to gain this following, to baptize people, and to say what he says about repenting. And he claims the authority from Isaiah, from the prophecy, prophesying about him, that he is the one to come. Make straight the way of Yahweh. So you can imagine the king coming, God coming, Yahweh coming. And uh, the, the hilly area there around the Jordan and all that, make it straight. The high places, make them low. The low places, raise them up. We do that all the time with our roads, don't we? You get on that freeway and you go through the mountains and you see how they've cut the hillside down and they filled up the valley. And you can just imagine this idea making straight the way for the king, for the Lord. How do we make his way straight? How is John going to make his way straight? Well, it's through repentance. He, he preaches Repent. That's how we do it. That's how we prepare for the coming. Here in Advent, the season of Advent, we're getting ready for the coming of the Savior. How do we prepare ourselves to receive the Savior? Do we need to do that? Or is it just something that happened 2,000 years ago and let's just go on with our lives and what will be, will be? You know, that's not the way that God presents this to us. Repent. Jesus preaches repentance to the world, right? Repent of our sins because then we are open to the coming of the Christ. Daily confession, daily contrition on our part. Then we're ready to receive him. And in fact, we are ready to receive him when we say, hey, we are not worthy to receive the Christ. We are not worthy as John, as John the Baptist says, we are not worthy. Well, then we are worthy, you see. It's kind of a, <laughs> an upside-down thing there, isn't it? But when we recognize our sin and our need for the Savior, then we are ready to receive him. We're ready for his coming. We're ready for his grace. Ready for his love. Ready for his renewal, his forgiveness. So they asked John. He says, I'm not the prophet. He says, then why are you baptizing? If you're not the Christ, you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet, by what right are you doing this? What's your authority? Because they haven't given him the green light. See, they're the ones who are supposed to be doing this. And they're out there saying, you can't be doing this. You can't be gathering people to yourself. You've not been given the green light by us. You have no right to be teaching the people. And John answers them and says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you don't even know. 
and he comes after me and, and his, the strap of his sandal I'm not even worthy to reach down and untie. Now John is out there in the wilderness. He's not in Jerusalem. He's out in the wilderness dressed in camel's hair eating locusts and honey. Uh, locusts uh, a sign generally of destruction, of judgment on the people. I was one of the plagues in Egypt. Um, judgment on one of the gods of Egypt. Uh, honey, a sign of blessing. right? And John out there in the wilderness. And so I think it's all supposed to bring to mind to the people, bring the wandering in the wilderness. Bring those 40 years to mind. 40 years when they had come to the doorstep of the promised land and had said, we can't go in there. We can't take it. We can't do it. Essentially saying, God is not with us. God is not strong enough. They're relying on their own weakness rather than on the strength and the promise and the word of God. So I think as the people are coming out there into the wilderness, they must be thinking about this, about the wanderings. Uh, John is preaching repentance. Of course, there was repentance that had to be involved out there as the, as the nation of Israel wandered for 40 years before they went into the promised land. There had to be repentance. So John is asking them to repent of their sins to make way for the Messiah to come. He's not out there to be another Moses, right? He's not out there to be an Elijah or the Messiah, the prophet. John has not come to lead Israel, but he has come to point the way, point out the one who is coming, to prepare the way for that one who will lead, who will be the shepherd, who will be the Lamb of God, when John points him out, not in our gospel reading, but in another gospel, John points him out and says, Behold the Lamb of God. That's a sacrificial kind of statement, right? The Lamb would bring that to people's mind. A sacrifice, blood, is going to be involved. So John is there to lead the people to Jesus. Jesus who will be who will bring righteousness, but who will be the people's righteousness, who will be your righteousness. This is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that God will make to take away the sins of the world. Now John says, I'm not worthy. I, I can't even untie his sandal. But John the Baptist is a great man. He comes of this miraculous birth to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were both barren, remember? And, and when, uh, when they <clears throat> conceived of John, they were old, very old people, <clears throat> long past their childbearing years. And John is the herald of the Messiah, the forerunner himself. He is a great man. <clears throat> He's the emissary of the Messiah. He's the one announcing that the promised seed of woman, promised way back there in the garden, he is the one who gets to announce that that one is here, that one is coming, that one is among you right now. 
the one who will break into our world and be the Messiah, who will bring the reign of God. John is a great man. Even Jesus will say of John, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But this great man out there in the desert does not point to himself, but to Jesus. The greatest of men born of women says, I'm not worthy to untie the strap of the sandal of the one who is coming. And we can see that it is the, low, the lowest servant's responsibility, right, to be on their knees untying the sandals when the master or the guests come in from the dusty road. That's the one who's supposed to be doing it. Uh, John is saying that the one who is coming after him is so great that he's not worthy to untie his sandals, to be that lowest servant. And maybe we can say that untying that strap at this time of year, maybe that's a, a kind of a, a neat image for Christmas as we uh, unwrap, un, undo the bows and the ribbons and that kind of thing on the uh, presents that we receive. The, the pretty layers of wrapping paper are removed and then there's the beautiful gift inside. And in sending John the Baptist, God begins to untie that bow, untie that package so that it can be opened, so that people can see, so that what he's doing can be revealed. His gift of salvation. And this is part of the mystery that this gift doesn't come wrapped in uh, beautiful clothing and trimmings. He, he doesn't come in a, a palace uh, with people waiting on him hand and foot in the splendor of kingly robes, but wrapped in the simple swaddling clothes of a tiny baby, born in our wilderness, born the sinless Son of God in a sea of sinful humanity. It is a mystery that the strap of Jesus' sandals is not going to be untied by a worthy servant, but untied by Roman soldiers as they strip Jesus of his clothing, strip him naked for crucifixion on a Roman cross. And it's a mystery too that by his death and resurrection, death is overcome. Death is destroyed. The power of death is destroyed. And our life with God is sealed forever. And that's the good news that's preached to those of us, to, to us today, to those who are poor in spirit, that although we have nothing to offer God, God offers us everything in his Son, Jesus not to make us servants, but to make us his children, his sons and daughters. In Christ, God offers us the full and free forgiveness of our sins. He offers us peace with God the Father. 
He offers love that lifts us up out of death and the grave. He offers us life eternal in his heavenly kingdom. Our gospel reading ends with just this simple phrase. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. John the Baptist comes and God begins to tug on that bow, quietly unwrapping his wonderful gift to the world. And this is how God's salvation comes to us, not in pomp and circumstance with blaring trumpets and a great procession, but in the quiet sprinkling of the waters of baptism, in the humble means of bread and wine, in his holy word, in the person of Jesus Christ who stood among us, who stands among us today. And this morning we, we light the Advent candles and we light the special pink candle here, the joy candle in the Advent wreath. And Paul says in Isaiah 2, Rejoice. Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in Christ Jesus, we have good reason to rejoice. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.
we rise and confess the Christian faith.